0: It just... Hi, um, hi everybody. So this is Barbara Wilson, and today I'm here with Tracy Stanley to talk to you again about our um, interest in creative thinking. Now, as you know, we've written a book full of tools and processes that teams, individuals um, can use to help them solve complex problems. Some of the tools we've developed, and others have been borrowed from others. One of these tools is Edward de Bono's Six Thinking Hats. And I've got Tracy here to tell you a little bit more about that. So, Tracy. What <laughs> hi, <is> the, Barbara. <laughs> what, hi, hi, Tracy. What is the Six Thinking Hats tool?
1: Okay, so um, it's um, as you said, it's a bit of a classic tool. It was developed over 20 years ago um, by a great thinker called Edward de Bono. And basically, I guess I'd like to introduce the tool by getting you to think about a time when there was an opportunity or a really complex problem and you're kind of overwhelmed by all your thoughts and feelings about that problem. And the reason you might have been overwhelmed is because you had so many multiple reactions. You could see the good parts to it, the scary parts to it, the parts where you didn't have the information um, and you got a bit stuck because you got overwhelmed by these different feelings and reactions. Now, what the Six Thinking Hat does, it basically kind of categorises and separates our, our, the information from our feelings, from our thoughts, from objective and from subjective data. And we look at each of those, I guess, categories one at a time. And it actually improves the effectiveness of the process, whether you're doing it on your own and you can do it on your own. Um, in fact, I recently wrote uh, an article thinking about the whole coronavirus problem and the different ways I felt about that, you know, what were the facts, what were the risks, what indeed were the opportunities, and I actually used the tool to walk with the six hats of the tool, the six ways of thinking, to think through how I saw opportunities and problems emerging from this huge global complex problem. So, um, what Edward De Bono suggests is always that you put on your blue hat first, and your blue hat is really, you know, what is your objective for the problem or for the opportunity? Um, and it's a hat you put on at the beginning and you put on at the end because, of course, like all conversations, you're going to be going through different places. So it's where you start from and then once you've had all your your thoughts about the problem, you come back and say, well, what was my objective and what have I learned and what am I going to do to, to move forward on this problem or opportunity? So that's the blue hat. And then you put on your white hat. And your white hat is all the facts and figures. I guess the information, the objective information, that can be sourced by everybody and we can all see how it's been gathered. Um, And at this stage, it's no opinions, opinions come later, it is just facts, which are sort of neutral and objective. Once we've got all that data, and you may actually have brought that data with you to a meeting or you already may have it in a file, you can then put on your red hat. And uh, people often like to spend a lot of time on their red hat because this is when you're talking about how you're feeling. And it could include, you know, my gut feeling is or my intuition is. And you don't have to rationalise it. It can be beautiful. It can be ugly. It can be warts and all. But this is the chance um, through this process in that six hat thinking to, to put out put out your sort of your, your emotions and your concerns. You can even talk about, well, you know, I feel angry by this idea and this is the right place to do it. So we, we do it, we all talk about it and once we've all set our piece or if you're doing it individually, you think you've got it all down, you take your red hat off and you put on your black hat. Now your black hat is thinking cautiously. It's when you sort of say, well, what are the risks associated with this problem or opportunity? Perhaps if I take a particular direction, these might be some outcomes which might cause me this sort of pain and it might be that, you actually have information missing here and that's okay. So just write down what you think are the risks associated with a future path related to that opportunity or to solving that problem. Once we're finished with our black hat, we put on our yellow hat. And this is when you think about the idea from a positive perspective. So what are the, what's so great about this idea? And what are some opportunities or potential benefits? And none of the negative stuff comes out here. It is all just the positive. And you, you keep your positive hat looking at what the benefits and opportunities are. And then leveraging off the yellow hat, you then start doing some really expansive thinking when you put on your green hat. And for your green hat, this is your best thinking, your best out of your box, your best really stretching thinking for what could be new futures and new possibilities if we could really turn this situation around or really leverage it to value a whole lot of untapped opportunity. And so then I said, those are the six hats. Once you get to that process, depending upon what your objective is, it's good then to put on your blue hat again, to say, what was my objective and what have I learned through the process of putting on my hat and thinking about those different ways of thinking.
0: Thank you, Tracy. That, that That's a really great sort of journey through the different coloured hats. Why, why do you feel it's a useful tool, Tracy?
1: Um, I think it's useful because I can think, I can remember really clearly um, being myself being confused by all my thoughts and feelings. And I can also remember being in team meetings where some might be really positive and we call them like Pollyanna because they're only thinking of the benefits and then someone is saying, well, you know, these are all the problems and they're only sort of thinking of all the risks associated with it. And the conversation really gets stuck. So I think that the process of categorising um, the way you think and feel about the problem and then logically stepping through each one gives every one of those perspectives an opportunity to be considered and documented and learning captured before moving on. And it also gives you a language so that if you are talking about the possible benefits and then someone wants to come back and talk about their fears and concerns, we can say, that that's great, but we've done that bit and now we're, we're focusing on the positive. So you need to take, you know, your red hat off and just keep your yellow or your green hat on now. So it just gives a nice way of mm. managing managing a, a team discussion.
0: Mm, that's interesting.
1: Sorry. And I'm just going to say, look, Edward DeBono himself said the real value of it is, is just sorting through confusion. You know, mm-hmm. often we try to do too much. We've got information, we've got intuition, and it just allows us to categorise and deal with them one at a time.
0: Okay, thank you. So that that's great. However, given we're living in very strange times now, with half the world living in a lockdown, many working from home, how can you do this alone or virtually?
1: I think you can do it... On your own, and I think you can do it using technology like the Zoom or the Messengers or the GoToMeetings, on your own, if you've got a problem, just say, well, look, I'm going to do a phased approach to analysing the problem. You know, what's my objective for the problem? Or more positively, if it's an opportunity, what's my objective for leveraging this opportunity? And then talk through, you know, your white hat, um, your red hat, your black hat. And just talk through each phase and write them down, you know, perhaps on a notepad or on a white pad, um, white paper on the on the board. Um, and indeed, if you're on, um, so that's, you can do that on your own and I have done that. And if you're having a virtual meeting with your colleagues um, over the web, um, I would suggest having a bit of fun and getting everyone to make six hats out of paper before you start. Uh, and get everyone to metaphorically, to, to not metaphorically, but to put on physically their hat that they've made. Maybe it's a captain hat. Maybe it's a bowler hat. Maybe it's a teddy bear that's blue. I mean, who knows? And put it on your head and then to remind everybody this is what we're talking about as, as we go through the process. Hmm. Thank you so,
0: and, and you were telling me also you've got six baseball caps at home one in each I know panel. I did I made them
1: yes specifically because it is really good you know if you're facilitating the conversation to put the hat yeah. on it's a symbolic thing yeah um,
0: yeah
1: if yeah. everyone, but I think it's great if everybody has the hats, but I mean I use one for when I'm facilitating, just to remind and it actually has on the front you know what in this My white hat has facts on the front of it. my red hat yeah. has feelings on the front of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that, that's great. Um, okay, so um, I, I think one of the things I was, I was kind of thinking I might come in with there is to talk a little bit about, uh, about how, what else people can do when they're working from home. Um, yeah. Because the, um, a blog I've recently published, yeah. a couple of weeks ago now, mm-hmm. talks about the going through the whole process of the creative problem-solving process from A point of view of either doing it alone at home or using technology yeah Um, but I'm particularly interested in what people can do when they're working on their own alone without particularly having the technology um, there one of the reasons I say that is sometimes technology makes us um, much more logical and rational in our thinking yeah um, I think um, so can I, if I just share a little bit about Please. that and, and, and actually listening to your description of the um, six thinking hats, I, I've kind of jumped forward to um, a technique I particularly like, which I use at the the last stage of the creative problem solving process, which is the implementation stage. Mm-hmm. And that's the Di- Disney process, the Disney technique. Now, the Disney technique was... Um, I don't know whether he original cre- originally created it, but it, it, it was made um, very popular by Walt Disney, who used it as a way of um, creating ideas for his um, filmmaking, for his, mm-hmm. uh, his particular um, interest in, in that area. And here you have really three roles. So it's kind of a shortened version of The Six Hats. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have a dreamer, a realist, and a critic. Now, the implementation stage of the creative problem solving process, you've already gone through the um, exploration of the problem and you've gone through the brainstorming and creating of ideas or coming up with ideas to resolve the problem. So by the time you get to stage three, the implementation, you're ready to what I'd call bulletproof your ideas. See if they'll work, see if they, they'll be accepted out there in the, in the world or the real world, if you want. Mm-hmm. And so what happens with the Disney technique is that you have um, the dreamer who's proposing the idea or proposing the solution. It depends on what, what you're actually working on in the creative problem solving. But If you have a, uh, some ideas to um, resolve a problem or if you have some ideas for just um, implementing something new, the dreamer puts forward their ideas, then the realist kind of looks at that and comes up with not, not so much the, the criticism of it, but the realistic aspects. So, you know, well, have you thought about how much this will cost, mm-hmm. for example? Um, have you thought about whether it would be acceptable to um, the stakeholders, for example? Yeah. Then, then there's a third position, which is the critic.
1: Yeah,
0: and the critic comes in and then starts. That's all the, sort of the negative stuff that we often get when ideas are put forward. Well, we've tried it before. It won't happen. Um, this never works. It's, it's impossible to do. So the critic is is not so much the logical rational. It's almost like the feeling, the negative feelings that come up when people are facing change. Yeah. So there's those three positions and I think you can relate them quite well to, um, to the sort of six thinking hats process or technique that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, and how you can do this on your own. What, what I propose is to do it on your own. You can take three chairs so you don't wear so things so much as you have three physical positions. Take three chairs, mark each one with either the dreamer, the realist, or the critic, and then move between the three chairs. So if you're doing this absolutely on your own, you can start off in the dreamer chair. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lay out your ideas. Yeah. And maybe the other thing you need is a notepad as well at each stage. Shift into the realist chair and then look at this from the point of view of What will the realists say out there in the organization? Make a note of that. Yeah. And then shift to the critic position and, you know, look at what the criticisms could be. Then when you move back to the dreamer chair, um, you take all of those into consideration. Mm -hmm. And you consider at that point, really, how, to what extent, how much and how you might... Um, amend your ideas or shift your ideas to take into account those other positions and then you can do it again and go round again it's a kind of bulletproofing so i just thought i wanted to add that in tracy because it, it links quite well with um with what you were talking about with the the six thinking hats i think it's another um Hard down, but it's a way of bringing something like that into the creative problem-solving process as a whole.
1: Absolutely, they both they both use interesting metaphors. You know, putting on a hat, putting on a new way mm. of thinking, or putting stepping into a role. And perhaps yeah. the technique, people can perhaps imagine a dreamer or a critic, and they can imagine those people more easily, perhaps, rather than just thinking through. Well, what's the process that I need to sort of focus on now with my black hat on? I don't know. Just compare yeah. the two methods. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So, Barbara, could you tell us a little bit more about the, the beginning stages of the creative problem solving process and, and walk us through um, how people would use that process? And we've sort of jumped kind of to the end. Yeah,
0: um, I, I think the, um, the, the three stages really start with the, the, the first stage is to explore the problem. Now, normally, I would always recommend that the uh, creative problem solving process is carried out with a group of people or with a team of people mm-hmm. if, if that group is concerned with whatever the problem is. However, um, if you're looking at this on your own, then there are tools and techniques you can use to work on that, are, uh, that can look at that part of this, that stage of the process. So, for example, exploring the problem you could draw a rich picture now in in the um, in my blog I've recently published I do um, talk about how you might do this so I'm not going to go into the details here this morning Um, however what um, what you could do is as I say draw either as a rich picture or uh, in any way that you feel is appropriate draw your impression of what the actual problem is um, in doing that, you're really capturing your, your sort of intuitive ideas rather than any rational thinking um, mm-hmm. that might go around, on around the problem. Yeah. Um, you can also, I mean, if you can then share that with somebody uh, through technology, through um, taking a photograph of it and, and, and sending it to somebody to say, you know, what are your reflections on this? This is my... This is my um, is my vision of of what the problem is right now how how do you respond to that then all the better Um, so you can start to do things like that you can you can also use mind mapping and Mm -hmm. various um, techniques like that 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 are available at the second stage which would be brainstorming it's quite hard to brainstorm on your own and i accept that Um, however you could also use things like metaphor. And thinking about, you know, well, in what way is this problem um, like, or is in what way is this problem like a, um, like a like my garden right now, a a little bit messy, a little bit, you know, what does it require? And you can start to sort of think about how you could see the problem differently by relating it to a metaphor. So you could choose any metaphor. You know, I've got a mug in front of me. How is my problem like this mug? Well, you know, it's, it's tall. It's, um, it's quite bounded yeah. um, uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't allow leaks coming out of it uh, because it holds liquid. And I can think, well, what does that mean in terms of my, my problem? Mm -hmm. Um, so you could do you could use techniques like that on your own i know i I accept they're a little bit more difficult um, but they can be quite fun to do so there are there are things you can do um, find that that are and i've explained a little bit more about this at each stage of of the creative problem solving process Um, And then in the third stage, clearly the the implementation stage becomes a little bit easier because I think that's much more of a a logical, rational stage than the the two earlier ones. And I think we're much more inclined to work um, logically and rationally when we're on our own than um, perhaps creatively.
1: And do you have a sense, Barbara, of how long those three stages of the process take? Oh,
0: gosh, no. <laughs> it, <Nope>. really de- <laughs> it really depends on what the problem is. If you've got a really messy problem, they can take quite a while. Yeah. Um, in the book we've written, um, uh, Creativity Cycling, I use an example of the um, climate change, which yeah. is a fascinating one, particularly in terms of what's going on right now with the lockdown. Um, in many countries, but I think to to resolve or to come up with solutions to that is such a complex issue with so many partners and so many people involved in in a kind of part ownership of the problem globally. You could not, as we've seen, you could not solve this quickly at all. And it can take it can take um, a lot of time to. To come up with solutions, to um, bulletproof them, to get acceptance. Um, so that's, that's one side of it. Individually, we have problems that we can probably resolve fairly quickly. And sometimes they don't even need creative problem solving. But to do something, you know, I, I've, I've done creative problem solving sessions with people, I've facilitated them, where you can work through a fairly complex problem in a day. Um, and you could do this, you could break this into, into parts and say, um, spread it over a few days or, or even a few weeks if you can only meet a couple of hours at a time. Um, but it, it really depends on, on the size of the problem. Yeah. So what I mean, I think what's important there as well, which is perhaps something I hadn't mentioned earlier in all of this is that in creative problem solving, you really need to allow ideas to incubate. Mm -hmm. And I think that by saying that you can spread it over a number of days, for example, or even over a day, you need to build into that day time when people are doing other things, even just having lunch or having a coffee in which the process and their ideas can, can incubate. And their ideas become richer around it as well. Um, so sometimes, you know, ideas for solutions come to us at those times when we're busy doing other things. Yeah. Um, but don't push too hard would be my, my main message there. And that's something we can all do at home. Yeah. <laughs> so so what, would, what would you like to say in summing up then, Tracy?
1: Um, I guess if I just come back to the six thinking hats up. I like the fact it gives validity to all those reactions. You know, sometimes, you know, you talked about how we have this preference for um, analytical and logical and mathematical approaches to solving um, situations. And getting data and objective facts is important. But the way we feel about it and our concerns, opportunities uh, that maybe may come out of a, a big problem, they're all equally as valid. They're all equal partners at the table. And I think that's perhaps one of the things I really like about, you know, De Bono's model. Let's give each of those validity and time when we're looking at something complex um, that you know, needs to be examined quite thoroughly before we, we rush to any sort of um, decision-making, action planning.
0: Okay. Yeah, that, 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 that's an interesting point. And I think that whole... That you allow for allowing feelings to come out is is crucial. Yeah, great. So, thank you, Tracy, for your insights on on the six thinking hats. Um, I'd just like to remind uh, our listeners here that our next podcast will be in a month's time. We're aiming to do one of these podcasts every month. And in the meantime, please do go and take a look at our book, Creativity Cycling. Help Your Team Solve Complex Problems with Creative Tools. It's available on Amazon as a, an e-book and in paper football, paperback form. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Tracy. <laughs> and uh, see you again. See you again. Thanks thank again. You. Always lovely to chat, Barbara. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank, thank you. Bye.